excuse me. Um, I'm sorry that. I should not be drinking LaCroix. 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 LaCroix makes me so thirsty. I don't know why I drink this before this podcast. Hang on. Let me burp it out. Yeah. No, it's not going to go. I'm going to... Do you need to be burped like a baby, Kate? No. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> okay. Okay. Um, hi, and welcome to Dead Mom Society. The club that nobody wants to be in. We get you. Let's do it. <laughs> I'm Kate. I'm Mel. And today, we're going to talk about internal versus external and how that can affect your grief and how it can affect, you know, your emotions surrounding hitting rock bottom and also being on the top of the freaking world. Heck yeah. Um, but before we do that, Mel, how was your Christmas? It was actually surprisingly wonderful. It was a really good Christmas. Um, you know, we honored my mom by talking about her throughout the day mm-hmm. and we, and throughout the week and it didn't feel so heavy as past Christmases have. You know, it actually felt really wonderful. We were able to direct our energy somewhere else on our other family members and on what we were doing, and we were able to be really present, which is something new for me this year. Oh. It was really fun. How was your Christmas, Kate? Well, that's amazing, first off. I think it's very cool that, you know, you can kind of take a step back and be like, well, we did everything we needed to do. We honored her, and then we had a fun day. Yeah. I think that's amazing. Thank you. Um, my Christmas was great. My Christmas was great as well. Um, I don't really know what I expected, but after Thanksgiving, I was just kind of like, just be aware of your emotions today. And it was such a great Christmas. It, we just had a great time. The night Christmas Eve was awesome. We sang carols and danced around. And it was, that was really fun. The Christmas Day, we have not had a Christmas, just the three of us, in probably 10 years because either my sister's boyfriend was there or my grandma or my Aunt KK or just like... So many, you know, ins and outs of the day, which is always the best. And so we were just like, what are we going to do with the three of us? Like, do we, are we going to be awkward? Like, What's going to happen here? And it was great. Oh. It was really, really nice. We went to the cemetery to see my mom, which was nice too. Mm-hmm. And we had a lovely, relaxing day. We had everyone over for Christmas dinner, 15 people. And we had a great time. So, that is so wonderful. Yeah, I feel... I feel really, really great Yay. moving into this new year. So That is so exciting. Yeah. I think a lot of SAG was just like us talking about it more because I feel like because of that, other people were able to open up about their own grief surrounding my mom because some of my cousins and aunts hadn't been to our house since my mom passed. So that was really emotional. But I think because we had just been really open about it lately, mm-hmm. kind of helped everyone just to feel those feelings acknowledge her absence and then still have a lovely time so I think that's incredible and I think there's a lot to be said about the fact that we've talked about this a lot but you and I have been so open about our grief clearly we have a (laughs) podcast about it (laughs) Um, which has helped us with processing and healing I think Mm -hmm. because it's like therapy every week now Um, and also I feel like something we've talked about is we just have this energy about us now where we're more open to hearing about other people's grief and we're not as eggshelly about talking about it with our parents or friends mm-hmm. even if we're aware that they don't really talk about that mm-hmm. and I think it's made a world of difference in our experience with especially holidays totally because you go into the day of like okay we don't want to talk about this because it's going to make people sad we don't want to talk about this because it's going to make me sad and then I'm going to be weird and blah 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 and you spiral yeah when in reality Talking about it more has helped us talk about it to people in a way they might understand better. Yeah, absolutely. And it's just that classic feeling of like, if you suppress an emotion, it's only going to just bubble up and become worse. So obviously you're going to think about your loved one on a big day like that, especially a big family holiday. Like that's, it's a given. You're not going to not think about them. So it's better to just acknowledge their absence, say, I really miss this person or this person is clearly not here and that's strange. Like whatever you have, whatever feeling you have about your loved one not being there, acknowledge it. Mm-hmm. So then you can open your heart and open your mind to 
new experiences for the rest of the day. Because if you don't do that, it's going to be clouding your day for like, for the whole day. I mean, the whole... Yes. The whole thing and and every new person that comes in is going to be like, it's just going to be another reminder. So you might as well just acknowledge it and feel your feelings for five fucking seconds and then have new feelings yes. and have new experiences. And you know what goes with that, I think, is it's okay to make other people feel uncomfortable if it means that you're going to talk about the person you lost. Mm-hmm. A lot of times I feel like in past holidays, what stopped me from talking about my mom is A, it makes me uncomfortable, it made past tense me uncomfortable to grieve in front of other people mm-hmm. and b i knew that it would make other people uncomfortable because they didn't want to talk about quote unquote sad things mm-hmm. but sometimes you have like you said have to talk about it to remove that fog from the rest of the day so you're able to be more present to and more open to what the rest of the day has for you yeah but mel i would argue it doesn't make people uncomfortable like that is i feel like that's a self-projection that you're putting on other people of being like, my grief is going to make someone else uncomfortable. Because nine out of ten times, it's not. Because that person is also feeling that loss. And they're That's also so understanding true. it. So I know you're not there anymore. Mm-hmm. But just for anyone out there who might be feeling like, if I talk about it, I'm going to freak people out. Nine out of ten times, you're really not going to. Because they're also thinking about it. And they don't want to upset you by talking about it. It's so, so true. Might as well just freaking acknowledge the elephant in the room. Yeah. And then you can have a wonderful day. That's so true. And I think something to validate is it's okay to feel like shit on a holiday. Absolutely. Whether or not you lost a loved one, holidays are hard. Holidays are hard and they take a lot out of you. You know, Mm -hmm. you only have so much energy in your bank Mm -hmm. and every little social interaction could take a little bit out of that bank. So I think that I want to acknowledge that it's okay to feel like crap. I think something that's common, especially in American society is to always feel joyful, especially in Christmas or Thanksgiving or Hanukkah or whatever you might celebrate to feel, okay, well, today's a happy day, so I have to be happy. Mm-hmm. And there's people expecting me to be happy. I expect myself to be happy. And you set these high expectations for yourself so that when you do feel sad, boom, you've lost the expectation for yourself. You've disappointed yourself mm-hmm. in your head. You've disappointed the people around you. Mm-hmm. And it's exhausting. It's exhausting. Yeah. So like you said, you didn't really expect anything to happen on Christmas and then it ended up being wonderful. I think that's a great precedent to set for yourself when you're grieving someone to go into the holiday just open. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm here. I, I know I have my tools to assess my grief if I need to. And I'm not going to set any high expectations for me. If I wake up and I feel like crap, I'm going to feel like crap for a little and that's okay. I'm going to explore that and hopefully feel better, but maybe I won't and that's mm-hmm. okay too. And if you wake up and you feel wonderful and maybe there's a little guilt associated with that of, but I'm not missing the person I love and it's a holiday, blah, blah, blah. That's also okay to just feel happy and give yourself that too. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. End of the day. Relief the holidays are over. Yes. I mean, they're very fun, but I'm ready for a routine again. I'm ready for, yes. I'm ready for like <laughs> not plans. <laughs> yes. I agree. I think it's, Yeah. Very fun. Glad they're done. Here's 2022. Yes. Kind of gearing up. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Maybe we shouldn't though. Because maybe if we keep our expectations for this year really (laughs) low. Yes. Everything will be not okay, but like not terrible. (laughs) Because I feel like 2020 and 2021 have done a number on us. Like 2022. We don't need another one. Okay. Maybe just keeping it relisted. I'm just like a very suspicious smile on. Just like, okay, what's going to happen now? Okay. Maybe like existing is our only resolution. Are the murder hornets coming back? Or like what's going to happen now? What's what other now? dystopian apocalyptic animals going to come get us this time? Or like. Or weather pattern. What's, or virus. Or yeah, whatever it's exactly. going to be. What's lurking around the corner? I think a lot of people are feeling a lot of trepidation for 2022. <laughs> I am nervous. I literally don't know one person in my sphere who's like, yeah, gearing up for 2020. We're so stoked. Let's do this in brand new year. Yeah. Because everyone's just so exhausted from 2020 and 2021. It's not so funny, though, how we do that of just like, oh, obviously on January 1st, the world resets. Like, yes. No, that doesn't happen not necessarily. at all. Like, everything is still going to be the exact same when we wake up on yeah. Saturday morning. Like, it's going to be the exact same. But it's so funny how we do that. We're just like, well, 
new year, new world. Like it's new gonna, world. we're going to be different. New me, gonna be different. we're going to do it this way. The world is going to treat me different because of this. Unlikely. Sometimes it's just not realistic. No, it's usually not realistic. No, like, <laughs> no. Yeah, but that's kind of what we want to talk about today. Yeah. Is internal versus external. Because this is a huge theme in my grief for the past year and a half. And well, and beyond really, because this is really what I kind of tried to prepare myself for. Mm-hmm. But I feel like going into the new year, a lot of times we do have these expectations of like, we're going to wake up and everything's going to be different. That's not true. Everything's going to be the exact same unless you have some sort of internal switch or shift or phase that makes you do something differently because otherwise the world is still a world people are still people nothing's changing so everything with like new year's resolutions and you know all the pressure that we put on ourselves to become this new person it's often unrealistic because a lot of times we put those pressures on people and things outside of ourselves as well mm-hmm. so wanted to kind of touch on that today Um, and just hopefully give some insight that we've both experienced between this whole internal versus external, um, theme throughout our grief. And hopefully it's helpful. And, um, again, if you have any insight, we want to hear it too. Absolutely. Yeah. Let's get into it. Okay, great. Um, okay, well, I'll start because, um, like I kind of said, this has been a huge theme in my grief for the past couple of years. And in my episode, when I talked about wanting to run away, that was a shocking revelation for me. And I recently, literally in the last two weeks, have gone through another, another like, um, self-therapizing moment about what that was actually about. And it was super cool. So I do want to touch on that, but... Um, when I was having this whole basically crisis, I was in therapy at the time and that really did help me define what it was that was like, well, define, I guess the feelings that I was having, because essentially I felt so trapped in my life and I was like, I don't necessarily like my job. I love my friends, but some of them aren't here. I feel smothered by these people. I feel abandoned by these people. I don't have good health right now. I miss your fucking mom. Miss my fucking mom. And there was just all of these things that were outside of myself that I was mad at. And I was so pissed off. And I called my therapist and we had a, a session. And I was, a, I literally told her, I was like, I'm going to just dip out for a lot for a while and just like go be a nobody. I wanted to be no one. I wanted to erase and start fresh. I wanted to completely start over with no friends, no loved ones, no history, because I didn't want anyone to just think of me, which sounds very strange. Like I didn't want to die, but I didn't want this life anymore. And it went so deep to be like, I want everyone to forget me, which is dark. And I felt very dark in that time. And I don't feel that way anymore. Thank goodness. But what my therapist kind of helped me figure out was all of the things I was pissed off at were all external factors. She was like, okay, you don't like your job. Okay. Your friends are gone. Okay. You're mad at these people. What are you doing about it? And I was like, well, I can't do anything about it. I can't change these things. And she was like, okay, what can you change? What are you going to do? And I was like, well, and she's like, what do you do on a daily basis to help your grief? I was like, I don't do anything. <laughs> I, go, yeah, I wake up, I don't eat breakfast. I probably have a cup of coffee. I sit down at a desk for nine hours and I come home and watch Netflix and cook a grilled cheese. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's it. And yeah. she was like, okay, well, there's a lot of things wrong with this picture. <laughs> and she really just kind of helped me do little tiny little things to not completely change my world and turn it upside down, but just be like, you're not feeding your body. You're not feeding your soul. You're not moving. You're not doing anything that is going to move things through your sense of self. Like you are essentially a potato and <laughs> you're just being a potato on a couch. <laughs> like, Which yeah. is okay. That's totally, That's totally fine. Okay. There are some days where you need to do that. But basically what she was saying is I'm ha- I have all this grief inside of me and I'm not doing anything to move it. 
And you wanted to move it. I wanted to move it, and I needed to move it because if I didn't move it, I was going to go do something very drastic. bad. And so I needed to understand how to move this group throughout my body and move it and change it and just, you know, get some things going. So I started small, but I did... St- I hate I'm not saying this people because I'm so not a fan. And people are just like, Jesse, it's healthy and exercise. I'm like, shut shut up. But that's what I did. <laughs> it starts that's there. What I, did. I started exercising. And I mean like I started going on like 15 minute walks at lunch. Like very small. But really, really did really start good. small. That's really where good. you should start too, yes. I think. Yeah. I um did this thing called Stretch and sweat. <laughs> That's what I called it. I love it. I love it. <laughs> Where I woke up every morning and I got on my yoga mat and I didn't necessarily do yoga, but I stretched. I did like a couple sun salutations and then I just stretched the parts of my body that I hold grief in, which is my hips and my shoulders. Which is that's, very That's common. all I did. I didn't, I didn't do anything drastic. I literally just did 10 minute little stretching sessions in the morning and then I would walk at lunch or I would come home and ride my bike on like my... Um, bike stabilizer in my apartment for like literally 10 minutes while watching a show like very small and then I started cooking fresh food again because I do like I like a healthy diet but I was getting very much into the top ramen grilled cheese stuff um so small steps and then what came from that is basically just redirecting my energy from being mad at everyone else and being angry and being upset with my circumstances, I just redirected the energy to be like, what are you, what's going on inside? And how can I start to move some of the stuff inside? And how can I start to, you know, break some of this buildup down? Like, yeah. I just felt like I had a blockage and all of these things I was doing is just helping just like chip away, just chip away a little bit so I could become whole again. Yeah. As whole as you can be, you right. know? Or at least and understand it, how to get there. Yeah. And it helped so much and I probably would not be here I think I'd still be alive but I probably wouldn't be here with my people if I had to start to do some of that stuff I I think I probably <laughs> would have run away <laughs> which sounds crazy to say it's 25 year old woman's like you can't really run away anymore like <laughs> but you can I mean you yeah, can yeah um and you didn't I didn't and I will say that in the last couple of weeks I have hit rock bottom again and I did not expect to go there because I um, had had some conversations with some people that I didn't think were going to affect me in the way they did. And then all of a sudden they were making me have those feelings of I want to run away again. And it was difficult because I didn't understand why exactly these feelings were brought about. So by taking a look into my internal versus external, I was able to define, okay, these external factors are affecting me in this way. They're making me feel extremely angry and extremely betrayed and hurt. And it makes me want to run away. But what am I doing about it internally? And so just having that kind of like conversation with myself, I was able to break down what the issue was and come to a conclusion of like something that was easily definable. And I kind of took the power away from these external factors, these external people, feelings, places, things um, that I don't have any control over. So I think a huge thing for me that like a a big realization is, is I am sick of being a topic of discussion, but at the same time, I'm always going to be because that's just how these things go. People talk about it and whether or not it's coming from a place of love or gossip is something that we cannot control. And it's a huge external factor that I did not realize was like the thing that was killing me. And it is the thing that has been killing me for these last few years of my grief. And just understanding that that is something that I absolutely have completely no control over. I can't stop people in their tracks and they're having a conversation that I'm not there for. I can't, I can't do that. So you know what? I might as well live my goddamn life. I am so proud of you, Kate. It was a big deal. Yeah. It's a huge deal to self therapize when it relates to your grief. Yeah. Grief puts this fog over your eyes and your brain and your soul and your heart where it's impossible to decipher exactly what is the trigger and what the feeling is and how to address it. And you did all of it within 24 hours. 
It was cool. I'm so proud of you. It was cool. But it was easier to do because I did have that past experience of just like, you know, everything external is shitty and everything internal is also shitty. What's the one thing I can change? I can change the internal. And so it was just nice in that moment to just be like, okay, there are are external factors right now that are putting you down. You can't do anything about it. So what can you do on the inside to help overcome this feeling of darkness and despair and, you know, being the bottom of a pit? Like, what are you going to do? And I was able to work through and I was able to do it, which was really, really cool. And I do feel extremely proud of myself for doing that. And I'll give myself a pat on the back for that. I really will. Um, and I'm giving you a pat on the back for that. It's incredible you. to watch you as my friend be able to turn that around so quickly. Thank you. Yeah, it was great. And it also, I think, really set up my holiday as well. And I had such a wonderful holiday with so many people that I absolutely adore. And it was just, it was a lovely couple of days. And I really feel like it set me up for a really good uh, new year. And I'm excited for what the new year has to has to bring. And I'm looking forward to the new lessons I'm going to learn because there's going to be more learning. I'm positive of it. And I think just having that little reminder of this anger and this resentment that you hold towards these people and things isn't going to go anywhere. It's only hurting yourself. So find a way to let that go, work through it and figure it out because the only one who it's hurting is yourself. Is yourself. That's it. That's it. And so being able to kind of recognize that, acknowledge it, and be like, okay, on to the next. Yes. Was super helpful. So. I'm so proud of you. Thanks. And I have to ask, because you did say you can't control the external because the external will always be the external. So possibly would you say it is what it is? Oh my God. (laughs) No. I would not say that. I would not say that because I maybe I'll say it was what it was. Okay. And now I'm going to move on from that. Maybe I'll say that. Okay. Okay. I almost had you. Okay. Not going to get me. There's just so much truth in what Kate said, though, you know? And also, it's so empowering to feel like you can self-soothe. And I want to validate people who are not there yet to say it takes time. Oh my God. And it takes resources. And I do want to share, you know, being able to go to therapy is a privilege because it usually costs money. It doesn't always. And there are many, many resources that you can find for especially grief therapy if you cannot pay for therapy. So I'd like to preface this conversation also by saying if you have some sort of hospice near you in your city, if you're in Denver, Denver Hospice is a great resource. If you're in Evergreen, Mount Evans Hospice is a great resource. They offer you at least three free sessions for grief therapy. And then they do a sliding scale from there on. It's a great resource for you to use, especially in dealing with internal versus external. If you want to go deeper even than grief therapy or you want to stick to grief therapy and you're concerned about the cost of it, I highly recommend openpath.org. One of my dear friends showed it to me and that's how I met my therapist who I am so grateful for. So just wanted to put that little side note in there. Because Kate and I have had the privilege of being able to go to therapy. Mm-hmm. And we, I just want to validate that that is a privilege and we're very grateful for it. And we've had to take advantage of resources as well to help us get there. Absolutely. Definitely. Yeah. And I, I mean, again, like I would not have come to that conclusion if I had not been in therapy. But I do think that I have, I have not been in therapy for the past like nine eight months. months, eight, nine months. I haven't been in therapy since my birthday. So, uh, I'm very, very grateful for the therapy that I, that I did have. And I am kind of thinking that I might restart. Uh, just just because I've been having a lot of questions lately where I'm just like, I can't crack this one on my own. I think I just need someone else to talk to about it. And I need yeah. an objective opinion again. But I will also say that, I mean, I'm going to give myself another pat on the back here. As I put in a lot of work when I was in therapy. A lot of I work. I put in a lot of work. And that work has taken me through these last eight months. Like... If I had not been so focused and determined on getting stuff out of therapy, I would not have gotten stuff out of therapy. So mm-hmm. I will say, you again, this, this whole thing, you get out what you put in, and I put in a lot, and therefore it has taken me through a whole bunch of stuff this year that I would not have gotten through had I not really 
put in the work gave in that effort it's so so. true and i i think every therapist i've had and the therapist you had say the same thing Mm -hmm. that will say thank you so much you helped me so much but really you're helping yourself exactly and if you go to therapy thinking this isn't for me this isn't going to work you're probably going to get jack shit out of it absolutely because it's all about what you want to get from it what you want to learn from it what you're willing to try and do outside of therapy therapy comes with homework therapy comes with tests and assignments and etc etc because it's about learning more about yourself and how you are going to deal with something and applying it mm-hmm. you're never going to be able to apply it on your own if you don't practice and that's exactly what you did kate and i'm so proud of you I'm so proud of you. Yes. Yeah. Um, what, what's your experience with this? Like, how, how do you navigate this throughout your grief? I feel like I have a lot of experience in the internal versus external. So I um, deal with depression and anxiety, and I'm pretty open about it. Um, and so I've been through therapy since I was, like, 14. And specifically, I've done CBT, which is Cognitive Behavioral Therapy, and DBT, which is Dialectical Something Behavioral Therapy. Sorry, Jack, that one up. But CBT <laughs> and DBT. And the whole purpose of CBT and DBT is, is taking the internal and figuring out how it applies to your external. And then like taking all of the internal, basically like out of your head, getting it all out there filing it into different filing cabinets and figuring out how to put it back into these cabinets in a more organized way so you're more equipped to deal with it next time. It's so not you're about, a little bit the opposite of me. I'm a little bit the opposite of you. Yeah. I feel like everything gets like really jumbled in my head and I need someone to take it out so that I can see it almost from like a 20,000 foot view. And then I'm able to assess it better. And then I just need help putting it back in. Mm-hmm. And then it's easier for me to be like, oh, yeah, this is happening. I'm freaking out. I'm freaking out. Oh, but I put it in this file. Let me take the file out. Remember the tools that I have for that file. And that's how I'm going to address it this time. And so that's been extremely helpful for me with my depression, especially, and my anxiety. Um, And it's been very helpful with the loss I faced before my mom. And it took a little bit of extra work. And it took additional grief counseling, which is more like talk therapy than it is CBT, for me to address it because my number one stage of grief that revisits me the most often is anger and so far in my conversations with a lot of people that's unique to me even though I'm sure a lot of our audience feels that too I feel anger a lot when it comes to my grief and when I feel anger about my grief I get really worked up and it's hard for me to calm down it's hard for me to come back down like I was just out of town for the holidays with my dad and my sister, and I remember we disagreed on something that had to do with how someone treated my mom when she was alive, and I got so angry. I wasn't yelling at my dad, but I could feel it boiling up in my body, a feeling so angry about this because I miss my mom, and she would understand, and I'm so mad about, and I miss my mom now, and I'm angry, 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 and I had to literally tell my dad and my sister... I'm so mad right now and it's not about you and I need to take a second to address this within myself because I couldn't change what my dad was going to say, couldn't change that he was disagreeing with me, couldn't change the external there and I knew that I could only change how I was about to address this anger in myself. A big thing of internal versus external I've learned about myself is that my feelings are not going to poof go away and even if I work on them, work on them, work on them, they might be there forever. And it's just about learning how to address them and give them their own space within my body to be. Mm-hmm. So, for example, my anger, I know I feel it a lot in my chest and my gut. That's where I feel my anger. So when we're talking about feeling feelings, not just thinking about I'm angry because of this, I'm angry because of that, I'm, I really focus on trying to feel where my anger resides in my mm-hmm. body. Mm-hmm. And I visualize, and visualization helps me a lot because I'm a visual learner and I'm a visual processor. So I visualize scooping up the anger in my body into one ball and giving it a safe place to reside that's not going to affect me in the moment. So I'm able to be present again. Mm -hmm. So my goal is not to erase it because I I just feel like that's an unrealistic expectation to give myself. And my goal is usually to process why I'm feeling that way, process where I'm feeling that way, and then give it a safe place to go away in its box, back in its cage, and so it can calm down too, because it's still a part of me. So I would say a lot of my internal versus external comes with my need for control, 
Mm. Which I feel like I've talked about in my episode. I'm a huge control freak. (laughs) That's what I talk about in therapy a lot. It's really hard for me to not have control of the external because I want to. And I feel like I'm right. (laughs) Shocker. (laughs) I'm human. (laughs) But I also feel like I tend to... I tend to put project on people too. And if I feel like something is right about the way I'm grieving my mom and somebody is telling me that it's not right, I just cut that person out of my life. <laughs> so I don't necessarily run away. I'm more like, okay, fine, I'm never speaking to you again and my family's never speaking to you again because I disagree with this way you did this and I'm going to hold a grudge for the rest of my life. Congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> and so a big part of my internal versus external is putting, as my mom would say, Putting down the microscope and picking up the mirror and trying to understand why that's making me so angry if I can pick out something about myself that makes myself that angry and see if maybe that I may be projecting on someone else. Hmm. So like something that's been coming up recently is people saying the wrong things, you know, Mm -hmm. when you're grieving, people saying the wrong things or saying nothing and like, what's the right thing? Blah, blah. such a complicated topic. We've talked about it a little bit. And for myself, I've been trying to do a better job at putting myself in a person's shoes of they've never experienced grief before, maybe. They've never experienced this kind of grief before, maybe. How would you react if that's where you were? Because we were all there at one point, not mm-hmm. experiencing grief, not yeah. knowing what this this horrible, deep low feels like. And how would you react if somebody just told you this news? So I'm trying to give people a little bit more grace instead of turning it into anger about them. So that's a big internal thing for me for recognizing you're getting angry at this person and it's because you're not empathizing with them. So how can we empathize with them? We don't have to agree, but how can we empathize with them so we can better understand what their message and intention is? Mm -hmm. So I'd say that's an ongoing thing for me, especially with the anger. I'm always dealing with the internal versus external of the anger. And I think that's going to be a lifelong thing for me. I just get really angry when I miss my mom. Yeah. Wow. I can't wait for the day when you turn green and turn into the Hulk. I mean, that's going to be really exciting (laughs) for everyone involved. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Let's be like, oh, we did the last straw. Mel's done. She's not, she doesn't care about self-therapizing anymore. She's about to Hulk smash the shit out of us. Okay. She's Hulk smashing, guys. She's on a rampage. New York City is not safe. <laughs> New York City is not safe. <laughs> no, I think that's really impressive, though, because I, I do think that's, like, a huge thing of um, something that I really struggle with is oftentimes if I feel an emotion, I am so determined to work through it that sometimes I put myself into a bit of a tizzy. So it's very cool that you have the capability of being like, okay, it's here. It's what I'm feeling. I'm not going to, I'm not going to dissipate. It's not going to go away. I'm just going to reshape it and figure out how I can make it look different. But I really struggle with that. I am much more the person who's just like, okay, I have a pit in the size of my stomach or I have a pit in my stomach. I'm just going to, I'm just going to break it down until there's no pit there. You know, like, or I have this like rock in my chest. I'm just going to chip away it until it's not there. Yeah. And sometimes it doesn't always work. And sometimes like I start to chip away at it and it just like actually gets bigger. And then it like, it becomes like this whole meltdown. So I think it's really impressive that you're able to do that. And I, uh, that's something I really struggle with. So hats off to you. Good on you, babe. Thank you. I think it takes time and I'm still trying to do it Mm -hmm. because you know, I'm a problem solution point A to point B kind of person too, of wanting to just be like, okay, I'm done with this. Like, mm-hmm. I'm tired of feeling angry. I'm tired of it. I want it to go away. Get out of here. But I just have learned. It's better to just put it in a little box, put it away, and I'll take it out and work on it in a safer place for me. And then maybe I can't get through the whole ball of anger at that point. So I pack up the rest, put it away, and I'm just going to keep taking it out until I feel like we can coexist. Yeah. Because it's still a part of me. And that's a big thing about the internal versus external, I think we've both realized, is our grief is a part of us. Mm-hmm. It's not separate from us. And that's yeah. really hard to own your grief and to give it a space inside yourself to live because it hurts so much. And mm-hmm. it feels like it's us against the grief. And I, Yeah, you're constantly fighting it. You're fighting that's it. That's such a great point, Mel. Yeah. You can't fight it. It's within you. It's part of you. It's part of you. It's within you. The sadness is within you. And it's there because of the love you had for someone. And that's really beautiful. And it also sucks. And it Mm -hmm. makes you want to get rid of it. 
But that grief is because of the love you had for someone. And it's okay to work through your grief. And I just think instead of trying to get rid of your grief, finding a way to coexist with your grief. Mm -hmm. Noticing it. Hey, I see you. I'm working here. I'm doing the best I can. Yeah. But I think it's a big expectation to just try to get rid of your feelings. You know what is so insane? Is everything you just said, I have never, ever seen grief addressed that way before. That grief is love. I have, I don't know what shifted in the world in the last like six months, but seriously, there's this like new revelation that people are having that grief equals love and it's just like presenting itself in a different way that I have never seen before, but it's coming. So many people are touching on it and so many like pieces of like media and like shows are talking about it and people are coming forward and just like being so open about this. That Andrew Garfield clip. Yes. The quote you sent me on Instagram the other day. It, it is. It's unbelievable how people like our collective society is having this discovery right now that grief is there because you are missing the love you once had and how people are just like, I hope my grief never goes away because then that means, you know, I, there's not love in my heart anymore for this person, which, you know, that's a whole thing. But like, I, I just, I've never seen it be presented in that way before. And it's so encouraging to me to see people talk about it like this. And it's so encouraging to myself too, is like, yeah, there's a hole in my stomach, but I'm so grateful for that hole because it, it means that I love my mom and I miss her and I want her here with me all the time and I miss her every second. But that just goes to show how much I loved her. Yeah. And to miss their hug is to know that you had that hug and to miss their, their, the sound of their voice is to remember every single time they told you they loved you and Mm -hmm. it's heartbreaking and heartwarming in the same breath. 100%. And it's a really hard paradox to live with. And it's also really beautiful. Mm-hmm. There's some sort of beauty to, to grieving and experiencing it internally and externally. Definitely. And I do think a big part of the external is people not attempting to empathize, mm-hmm. which I think we're all guilty of at some point in our lives. I'm guilty of it still. Yeah. I find myself not empathizing sometimes. And I just feel like when people don't understand something, they're less inclined to try to be there for someone who's experiencing it, mm-hmm. which is just a part of our human condition, I think, sadly. But if you can remember that in the moment, I do feel like it helps process the internal instead of taking it personally. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah. And I also love what you said a couple minutes ago, of, um, how sometimes you're just so tired. And I feel like that is also a huge part of this like internal versus external thing for me is like some days I wake up and I'm just like, I feel shitty and I'm not going to do anything to not feel shitty today because that is where I'm at. And I say this coming from a place where, I mean, again, it was very dark and there are some mornings when I wake up and it's a little bit bleak. It's not sunny like it usually is. And I don't really want to do much to make it sunny. Like, I'm just like. I don't really feel like it today. I'm not going to not going to attempt to get a get a hold on the grief that I feel today. That is okay. Yeah. What I'm saying is I was in a place where I wasn't sure if I was going to be around mm-hmm. <laughs> in a couple days or weeks or months, so I had to figure that shit out. Mm-hmm. But I absolutely fell off my routine this summer, you know. I like was not eating super healthy. I wasn't exercising all the time. I was, but also I was having a lot of fun and I was doing mm-hmm. things that filled my bucket in other ways. And I was finding my internal relief from actual external things because all of a sudden my external kind of shifted. Like mm-hmm. I really liked my job again and I, uh, my friends were visiting and you know, there was all these fun things happening. COVID was letting up for five seconds. This summer. <laughs> like you could go outside without masks on and everything. And And so I was able to find peace from the external. So my internal um, uh, work kind of went on the back burner a little bit. Oh, I love how you phrased that. That is, that makes so much (laughs) sense to me. I'm so, I'm glad. And also, I mean, I just want to say like, you know, it is work. It's constant work. And it's not fair that we have to do this constant work to make ourselves feel Okay. Like, not even good, like, okay. Like, it's not fair. It's not fair. But I will say, 
when it is easier to define the internal versus external when one of them is bad, if that makes sense. Yes, I literally was just about to say that. Okay. Because something you just touched on that's really awesome that we don't talk about a lot is how the external can feed you and give your internal work a break. Yeah, that's ex- that's a great way to put it. That's a great way to put it because if you're constantly, you know, fighting the external, yeah, then that's really hard. And if you're also constantly like focusing on the internal, that can also get really tiring. It's exhausting. So it's it's nice to kind of recognize when one is good, and kind of lean into that one. You know, yes. if you have a lot of yes. motivation to, you know, start doing making healthy choices in your life and start real like reading a bunch or I don't know like decorating your apartment super nice like yes. it can be anything it can be anything that kind of affects internal if you're finding motivation from there lean in but if you're having a really fun month and everything going doing things is making you feel really good and people are making you feel good lean into that you know yes. do whatever is going to be better for you in that moment and if you have to put the other one aside for a second give it a break that's okay yeah Perfectly okay. I feel like it's life's way or God's way, the universe's way of of guiding you of where mm-hmm. you need to be in that moment. Because mm-hmm. oftentimes I think people are so focused on self-work, which is awesome. We're both focused on self-work. But they forget to enjoy the external. Mm-hmm. So, for example, you know, I'm recovering from an injury in my back. And working out is really important to me for my mental health and for my physical health. Mm-hmm. And I used to be able to run, what, like four to six miles, like four to six times a week. And now I can only run two miles twice a week. And it's really, and I, I have a lot of pressure on myself to say, well, I have to do this and I have to keep increasing because I want to get back to where I was. And it creates this bubble that's going to burst for sure because it's a super high expectation and not realistic. And instead, I find this myself being in pain after running twice a week mm-hmm. and needing to rest. And that is just life's way of telling you, you need a freaking rest or you're going to get injured. And I think the same goes for emotional work. Same goes for grieving. The same goes for how we process our environment. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. It's putting in the work is important. Um, But it's really nice to be able to kind of break down what type of work it is because then you're able to give other pieces of yourself a, a break. It's so true. Doing all at once is really, really hard. And it's a really big expectation, and you'll probably get disappointed. Mm-hmm. So it's a right to focus on different little pieces. And also, internal versus, versus external is something that I have found helpful in a phrase in my mind, but you make it anything you want. You know, yeah. you can break it down in your head in any way, shape, or form that fits you. I would just say, try and, <laughs> if it's helpful for you, and if, it, if you think it's going to, you know, be good for your mental health, try and define the triggers maybe give them a label. Yeah. So you can say, this is this category. This is this category. This category sucks right now. I'm going to really focus on putting my work into this category. Yes. And in my mind, it is an internal versus external. It totally is. It can be totally different, something totally different for you. So, but I, I would say defining it was very helpful for me. I agree because when you define something also, it gives you the control to either give that thing power in a moment or take the power away. Mm, Not something that. I have to do with my anger love that or my eating disorder or whatever like I have labeled you I know what you are you're not this insidious mysterious thing eating away at me anymore so now I get to decide how I'm going to deal with you when I take your power away etc cetera, etc cetera. and it, it's a little bit more empowering can give you a little bit more confidence in processing your grief yes it's like in Harry Potter it is like Harry Potter with Voldemort yes say the name say Give it the, the freaking name yeah take because, the power away yeah it does it doesn't empower it takes the power away because it puts the power in your hands yes it does you're the one who's in control you're the one who decides what this thing does and what it doesn't it's up to you yeah and that feels really fucking good and then it kind of gives you the tools to talk about it in kind of that way too like for example my therapist has had me name grief or whatever after my exes <laughs> <laughs> Who I have had a really negative experiences with. <clears throat> so let's say my ex's name is Bob. And she's like, okay, so Bob really pissed you off today, huh? And I'm like, yeah, fuck Bob. And it's just so much easier. You give it just like this way of being like, I know I don't like that person. They don't have power over me anymore. So let's name it and get it out of here. 
Oh, that is so good. I know. I that love it. so funny. So that's been a great tool. <laughs> I love so much. Something I really wanted to point out, too, going back to your story <laughs> and something that you told me this morning was that you felt like your time had expired to say whatever you needed to say when you felt like you were grieving. And that is so powerful because it's not fair for the external, for other people, to put a timeline on how we're processing our grief. Mm -hmm. We've talked a lot about how grief doesn't have a timeline, Mm -hmm. but we have not touched on as much other people putting a timeline on how we're grieving. Mm -hmm. Because everyone expects in those first couple of days, weeks, months, whatever, we get to say whatever we want. We get to be as mad as we want. We get to be as sad as we want. We get to process however we want. Nobody will question it Mm -hmm. because, oh God, their person just died. Mm -hmm. And then we're two years later, three years later, and it's like, why are they like that? Why are they not more evolved? Why have they not processed this yet? Blah, blah, blah. At least that's what it feels like. Maybe mm-hmm. people aren't thinking that, mm-hmm. but it sure as hell feel, feels that way. And it's not fair. Grief is so personal. So yes. how dare you try to intrude in this personal relationship I have with myself and the person I lost? Yes. Fuck you for not having grace for me because you don't understand. You know, I hate the term well-adjusted when it comes to grief. What does that even mean? Exactly. What does it mean? <laughs> I've heard it. I've heard people use it a lot. Oh, she's so well adjusted for what she's been through. It's like actually, I'm just, I'm just understanding myself more. I'm willing to learn about myself. I'm willing Jesus to. Christ. What is well? What is not well adjusted look like? Exactly. Like, what is that? That's not fair. You, you don't see that. No. And so, it's frustrating <laughs> because we can't change that the external is going to be talking shit or saying those rude things or intruding on our healing process. We only get to set up boundaries for ourselves and set up coping mechanisms for ourselves for when they happen. Mm-hmm. And it's so hard because it's so personal. And something that I've realized is, you know, I'll feel, for example, I'm super susceptible to negativity. That's just something I've noticed about myself. I'm a very positive person. But if there's a lot of negative people around me, I will participate. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm susceptible to it. And I'm really working on it. That's something I'm really working on because second I go negative and like my depression or my grief takes over it just like spirals out of control yeah and I remember talking to my therapist about it and being like you know some some people I really care about are really negative and I don't know how to have this conversation of like shut the fuck up because you're making me feel negative yeah you're making me spiral yeah because guess what they're not making me do anything that's an external thing that's happening that I'm allowing myself to participate in and spiral so Mm -hmm. how do I have a conversation of like hey when we're hanging out I'm doing a really, really hard, like I'm having a really hard time of not becoming super negative if we start gossiping about something. Do you think we could narrow down the gossiping or whatever? So maybe it's an external conversation like that, which I'm a weenie and I don't usually go for the external conversations. Yeah, it sounds really hard to me. It's, it's really hard to have those <laughs> conversations. really scary. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Especially with people you care about or people like, you know, that you're in the same friend group with or family or whoever. And so she gave me another opportunity of, okay, when things start to go negative, how can you change the conversation into something positive? So you're helping yourself. You're adjusting what's happening in your external by recognizing your internal feeling and recognizing what will help you make make you feel better. Mm -hmm. And so that's the way I usually go for. So whether it's that or sometimes when people say hurtful things and you know that they're going to say hurtful things, because no one's ever stopped them and no one ever chooses to stop them, sometimes that is the time to have a conversation if you feel like you can. Mm-hmm. And it might even be one sentence. It's like, hey, that actually is really hurtful to me. Do you think we could not talk about that anymore? Mm-hmm. And however they take it is their responsibility. That's their internal deal to do. You can't make someone feel a certain way. So I do think there's internal conversation versus external conversation as well that plays into the whole internal versus external. Yeah. Like choosing inside of yourself, whether, yeah. whether or not you're going to address this internally or externally. Right. That's exactly. interesting. It's, it's so meta. It's so meta. It's basically like the inception of, of grieving. Griefception. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It is crazy. And bottom line is like this stuff is hard and it takes a lot of practice. 
And it's not something that's going to change overnight. And it's not something that you're going to just like wake up one morning and be like, oh my God, all of these things I can't control. I just let them go. And all these things I can't control, I'm going to do really good at them. Like that's just not, it doesn't happen like that. Right. And if it does, give us your secret. Um, what Please. What tonic are you drinking to make this so wonderful Are you magic? You? Like yeah, I would like, love seriously. to know how you make this happen overnight. What a yeah. a lot of money. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, it, it's again, it, it does just take work and, and, and naming these things is really, really scary because it is also understanding you, you are giving up some control. You know, when I was having this conversation mm-hmm. about internal versus external, it's just like all the things that I didn't want to control, I realized were the things that were in my control and all the things I wanted to change oh. were the things I realized I couldn't change. Oh, what a tough realization, but it important Yeah. <laughs> my therapist was like, um, okay, listen up. <laughs> I was like, what are you saying to me? This is so rude. You're calling me out so hard right now. But it, it's just the truth. And and it was it was a tough it was a tough uh, realization to have. And it was it was just kind of a bit of a slap in the face of just like you think that you are really handling this, but in reality you are solely focusing on the things you cannot change and you are completely ignoring the things that you can yeah because it's easier it's so it's much so easier. much you easier. just let things happen to you you're like yeah. oh well, that happens so my day sucks now exactly it's exactly. so easy to do that yeah and it's like okay well what do you do you at least like feel good inside of your body well no i'm eating top ramen and i'm <laughs> laying down a majority of the time like, right that's not going to make you feel good so it is t- it is tough and it's it's daunting and um, you know it's a little bit of a sometimes you gotta you gotta be a tough cookie to yourself which is yeah hard but it is. when you have those conversations only good can come from it you know when you really look at yourself in the mirror and say okay what are we doing that is not helping me what are we doing that is helping me and really just like defining those things yeah and what is only good my can control. come from it right yeah and. It's empowering to know what is in your control. Mm-hmm. And so that even if you, you know, some days I feel perfectly fine and I don't work out. Or some days I feel like I'm grieving and I don't want to address it at all. Mm-hmm. But I'm aware that that's in my control. That's not something that is happening to me. That is something that I'm controlling about yeah. the day. Even if it's something that maybe is not in the in an upward direction. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, I can definitely journal about how this grief is making me feel. And I'm not going to. And that's okay too, you know, it's in your control. Yes. And you recognize that you not addressing it could mean it's going to come back later, but it's in your control. Exactly. Yeah. And it's, I think it is really helpful. Uh, I think like the root of it for me is it was helpful for me to understand of like, okay, this is a decision I'm making and this decision is going to solely like affect me Mm -hmm. and all these other things I cannot make decisions about. And I'm not going to let them affect me to the best of my ability. So like Mel said, it's okay to make decisions and it's okay to be like, I feel shitty today and I'm not going to do jack shit about it. Perfectly fine. But also understanding that that is a decision that you are making, that mm-hmm. you are in control of, that alone is helpful. It's so helpful <laughs> because before you understand that, it's the, I want to run away. I want to get away from this. I can't do this because you don't know what's going on inside yourself. You're and that's not, really scary. It's way scarier to not have control. A way I like to relate it to that's kind of easily understood is a lactose intolerant person actively deciding to eat ice cream. They're like, this is going to make me feel like shit later, but I know that I'm going to do it anyway. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, that's going to make me feel like shit and I'm not going to do it. Mm-hmm. Either way, it's in your control. You're the one who's controlling the situation, and it's way better than feeling like things are happening to you. Yes. Bingo. Bingo. Bingo, baby. Bingo, baby. That was good. That is really good. Yeah. And as always, guys, we want to hear we want to hear everything. So what is your experience with this? What are things that you have done to kind of help yourself define what you can control and what you can't control? Did I say that right? What is in your control and what is out of your control? That's a better way to put it. Um, yeah, give us feedback. We want to hear it. And this is, again, we're we're coming from two experiences. Mm-hmm. And there There's are millions, billions. Millions out there. Yeah, everyone has their own experience with this. And so we want to hear about it. And again, this could even be like not pertaining to grief at all. Yeah. This could just be normal people. Hey, we're all normal. I take it back. This could just <laughs> be <me>. no. <laughs> <laughs> anyone who struggles with this. Mm-hmm. 
it's just, it's cool to hear about and we want to hear about your experience with it. Yeah. Please give us feedback. And also we have thick skins. You can tell us if you disagree with something. Oh, 100%. Because there's, there's bound to be multiple people who disagree and they want to be validated too. So please reach out if there's something that you think we missed or something we got wrong. We want to hear it. Absolutely. Take it away. So we have a tool for your toolbox this week that relates to the internal versus external. Um, it's something that I've done since I was like 19 and I've found it to be super helpful in recognizing patterns of my internal and how they're brought about through my external. So something that I recommend doing and I recommend doing it for at least a month, if not longer to recognize a pattern is as soon as you feel, let's say for me angry, I'm going to write it down in a notebook. I'm going to write down the time of day. I'm going to write down what I was just doing and I'm going to write down where I feel my anger. And then the next time I feel angry, I'm going to write it down again and write down all those things. And then let's say two weeks later, I'm going to look back at this journal and I'm going to notice a pattern. Maybe I'm feeling angry in the morning or maybe I'm feeling angry because somebody said something about a mom. Maybe I'm feeling angry because of this. And like I said, I always feel angry in my gut, in my chest. Interesting. So now I'm able to address that and possibly work through that internal. And if you don't have the help of a therapist, this gives you something to work off of. And if you do, if you are going to therapy, you can bring this notebook and bring this observation to your therapist and they can help you with it. Mm-hmm. And it's something that I think is super helpful in identifying the internal and f- feeling the internal, where it is in your body. Mm. And then something that I tend to do at least weekly, I would like to do it more, is mindfulness meditation. And there are tons of guided ones online on YouTube that you can just listen to. They range from two minutes to an hour. And it just helps you recognize in your body where you're feeling tension, where you're feeling this. So you're able to kind of reset and adjust and tackle whatever you may be feeling, whatever may be coming up. Mm. That's perfect. Because that's... It's, it's a scary thing to do, but like it's going to help you. And I don't necessarily do it in the way that Mel does. I don't necessarily take like a deep look inside, but I do track it in a different way. I uh, really like writing. I really like it, but sometimes journaling is not always the most convenient option, you know, carrying around a notebook and stuff. So what I do is I put it in my notes app. And there are many therapy sessions where I have sat down and been like, these were the feelings I was feeling this week. And I literally read the notes. And these notes are like somewhat creative writing. <laughs> I mean, I really kind of write down like, I, I try and take these feelings I'm having, whether they're positive or negative or anywhere in between, I just try and write them down in a poetic type of way so I can look back at it and say, okay, this is something that you were feeling so strongly in this moment Again, to Mel's point, what brought this on? Is there something specific that you had done or heard that day that made you feel this way? And then you can kind of just, exactly what Mel said, take that knowledge and apply it to whether there's something you can control or not. And it doesn't always have to be negative. Sometimes, like for example, last year, I tried on a pair of jeans that hadn't fit me in two years. And they just like zipped right up. And I was like, wow. That is crazy that these just like zipped right up. (laughs) Yeah. And it made me feel really good because I was putting a ton of work into trying to be healthy. But it also made me really fucking sad because I was like, my mom would be so stoked for me right now because she knows I love these jeans and I haven't been able to wear them for the past two years. And so I wrote down this like super poetic, like creative writing. It was really good. And I read it in therapy and my therapist just kind of helped me break it down of just like, okay, so you are doing internal work and it's making you feel really good, but it's also making you feel sad because your mom isn't here to be proud of you. And it just was helpful to kind of work through these complex feelings because there's one thing we know about grief. It's very, it's complex. There's a lot going on and it's really hard to just put one specific feeling on, on everything that's going on. And so writing it down can be helpful for that too, to just like help define like, okay, this is a lot, but here's A, B, and C, and here's all the things I can do to help either keep this feeling going or something I can do to work through it. 
So yeah, I totally agree with Mel yes. that writing it down is just it's nice something nice and tangible to go back to and be like, let's reflect. <laughs> and like writing down the positives too is super helpful because it helps you figure out what to do when you're feeling the negative to maybe counteract or cope ahead or build your bank. Mm-hmm. So you're able to do that more often too. Mm-hmm. And something that Mel is also really really good at is compartmentalizing. It's something that I really struggle with, and so this kind of this like practice has been helpful for me to compartmentalize because it does make me feel like I'm feeling it in that moment. It makes me feel like I'm giving this feeling space and breath and I'm, I am defining it in that moment, but I also have time and space to go back to it if I need to. So that's really helpful for me because if I don't feel it when I feel it, it's like having to pee. If I don't pee when I have to pee, it's, there's going to be consequences. Bladder infection. (laughs) If I don't feel it when I'm feeling it in that moment, it doesn't go away. I cannot, I cannot compartmentalize. And oftentimes, if I try and do that, I will forget that I had that feeling and I won't address it mm. and it'll be bigger the next time. Mm-hmm. So it is important for me to be like, take five minutes. Take five minutes. Reflect. Pause. Take a breath. Mm-hmm. Okay. Move on. And then if I need to come back to it, I have you an can. actual tangible thing to reflect on later. Yes. I agree 100%. Mm-hmm. That's all. That's all, folks. <laughs> That's all she wrote. Yeah. Heard a lot of us talking today. Um, next week, we will have another interview, which we're really excited about. We're really excited about um, it. And yeah, Happy New Year. We hope that 2022 brings clarity and levity and light and peace. Peace and consciousness and all the good things that we're hoping that we get um, yes. and with all the things that we're working on. And uh, thank you for starting this journey with us. And we hope we get to keep it going for a lot longer. Um, and as we always say, it is what it is. It's okay to not be okay. See you next week. Cheers.